For All Mumkind, the podcast. A podcast for mums, by mums. My name is Pamela, and in each episode, I will sit down and chat to a mum about motherhood. The ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a midwife, fitness fiend, Zaflora lover, mum of Ellie, and an all-around honest mom. It's Jessica Sheridan of Lifestyle Blog, Burpees, Babies and Beauty. Welcome Jess, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, I love the Zaflora. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> well you introduced me to Zaflora and then I introduced it to my mum. So um, we're all converts now. Nice domino factor, <laughs> that's good. Um, I want to bring you back to about two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think you're about 23 going on 24 when you found out you were pregnant with Ellie. And she was a welcome surprise. Yes, surprise, definitely the word I'd use, um, but definitely welcomed. Um so, yeah, she was a shock. Um, I've been with Ben for years. Like, I've been with Ben since I was 17. So, very stable relationship. But she definitely wasn't in the plans for another couple of years. But, um, yeah, everything happens for a reason. And I wouldn't change anything the way it's it's panned out. And you were living at home at the time. Yeah. Um, so, still living at home with mum and dad. And we had been kind of saving for a house half-heartedly, like you know, there were still holidays and trips away and, um, but I always knew from a young age I wanted a house. So I kind of started saving from pretty young for that. But, um, yeah, when we found out then that we were expecting that was cranked up and yeah, things kind of moved very, very fast then. So you had your own natural timeline of how you'd perceive things to be changed. Yeah. And then your relationship, I suppose, with Ben took a bit of you became rather than kind of boyfriend and girlfriend you took the role of mum and dad yeah yeah which was mad like <laughs> and even now I sometimes still look at him like you're a dad and then he kind of look at me and like you're a mom like when had all this happen it's just it's mad but yeah it uh it all took a change on its own and organically everything has just you know fit in, into place whereas when I initially saw that pregnancy test, I thought to myself, oh God, like, where will we end up? What's, how are we going to do this? Yeah, because yeah. at 24, it is, you know, in, it, we considered young now yeah, when yeah. this was the average age is between 30 and 35. Um, and becoming a mom is such a change to you being, you know, as a woman. Yeah. Um, and also the relationship within your family. So you were living at home, you're still kind of that role of, being you know a daughter yeah and then you're changing so rapidly to being a mum yeah like I'm the youngest on both sides so like very much I wouldn't say babied because I've always been very like strong-willed and independent in some ways but like yeah living at home <laughs> my mom was still doing my washing and my like that's that's where I was coming from do you know and um like I was fully qualified midwife at that at that time as well. So I had a yeah. full time job, I was working away, you know, but still very much like the the baby as well. Like I suppose you can't help that growing up no. as the baby, but um yeah, I would say I was Molly Coddled to an extent. Yeah. Which our Irish mammies love doing. Yeah. And yeah. We, we will inevitably do it. Exactly. Oh yeah, I can <laughs> see it already. Like, but it's very um it's a funny position to find yourself in a couple of hours going from that to oh my god I'm actually gonna have a baby myself to having to break that to mom and dad when you're still under their roof yeah yeah Um, that was interesting (laughs) what was the timeline then so you were pregnant living at home yeah 
did you have Ellie and they move into a new house or? Yeah, so basically I found out that um, we were expecting the end of, it was the end of April. Um, Because I remember we were actually heading out for, there's only a week between myself and Ben. We were heading out for his birthday dinner with his parents. And I remember sitting in the back of the car and the conversation was just leading to different things. And his mom and dad were joking, saying like, oh, when you have kids, the two of us in the back of the car, they we obviously hadn't told them yet. And I remember the two of us just staring at each other like, oh God. Um, oh, sorry, I've digressed a bit there. What was I saying? Um, The timeline, yeah. So obviously when the news broke and everything uh we had been saving obviously for a house but we kind of knew we only had a certain window to apply for a mortgage mm-hmm. and hopefully get something secured before she was due which was um the 19th of December so um because we had savings there we were lucky you know um but we just knew we had to crank it up so I think it was fairly immediate by the end of May June we were in the bank you know talking to brokers um kind of we were told you know you need to have a six month timeline of consistent amounts so, yeah. gone in and um, so that was fine we cranked all that up I was doing every shift that I could do under the sun and Ben was working away and by the August I think we applied for the mortgage and I don't know what stars aligned but there was a new development to houses literally but like a 10 minute walk um, and then like a, a two minute drive from my parents house and Ben is only from up the road as well so all very very close we could see this development going up and they were having a showing of a weekend in the start of September, I think it was. At that stage, we had gotten mortgage approval. Still, obviously, to have a house secured by the time yeah. she was born was going to be an issue. But um, we went up, viewed a house. It was I remember it was a two-bed terrace house. Not in the plan originally in my head of what I ever wanted. But at that stage, I was like, if we get anything, you yeah. know, we're lucky. Uh, went up and we were devastated. They were like, no, they went you know, at a pre-launch two weeks ago and I remember coming out bawling, crying but like that was my lifeline. Like that is literally, because I didn't want to get into bidding wars. I didn't want to yeah. do any of that. I was like, we have to get a new build. Then both sets of parents came up to view the houses that weekend and they were like, just put your name down for the three bed and think about it later on. And I was like, but we haven't got the money. We haven't got the money. And we just did it. And I don't know how we did it, but put the deposit down in the house that weekend. So by the time we got mortgage approval to put a deposit on the house was only a week. Oh my God. It happened really quickly. And um, yeah, by the time we had Ellie, then the house was it was all kind of coming up to Christmas. Um, but the house was ready, and we lived at home with, with my parents' house for with Ellie until she was six weeks. And at that stage, then we like we were able to move in. So it all happened very very quickly. Sorry, I feel like I've just like word vomited there. <laughs> but yeah, that um, was the timeline. That was your timeline. Mm. So you were growing a little baby, uh, buying a house, getting yeah. everything ready. So it was hectic. Nuts. And on top of that, then you're a midwife. Yeah. Um, being a midwife, you see birth and labor every day. Yeah. Um, the rest of us watch One Born Every Minute to get yeah. some insight. Was that a help or hindrance, do you think, to you? Um. Oh, a help, 100%. Like nothing fazed me. And on paper, it might, I didn't even have a birth plan, but in my head, I obviously had an idea of what I wanted to the way I want things to go and typical like as midwives you always say like what's typical midwife delivery or pregnancy like things always go pear-shaped if you were to ask line a bunch of midwives up you'll hear the the craziest stories of what's happened but I think because you're exposed to it you're just nothing phases you like everything no matter how kind of mad things get you're like look it's fine I've looked after women in this situation before it's fine so yeah definitely knowledge is power and 
I just, I was very relaxed going in, like really, really relaxed, even throughout the delivery and everything, really relaxed. Poor Ben was the opposite, but I think really? you need a yin to a yang because I was so chilled. He was like, well, Jess isn't freaking out, so I'll just silently, internally freak out. But yeah, it definitely helped. So you didn't necessarily have a printed birth plan, but you had one in your head. Yeah. So my ideal was like, you know, start laboring at home, saunter in nine to 10 centimeters and sneeze her out. Like that was the plan because I had stayed so fit and well throughout pregnancy. And I had like a very easy pregnancy and was never, there's nothing, you know, that went wrong, thank God. And I just kind of thought to myself, look, things have been so good up to this point. Um, I'm surely just going to sneeze her out. Like I'm young and fit and healthy, be grand. So yeah, things like it wasn't the most horror, horrific birth at all, um, but things were a lot slower than what I imagined and I ended up having to be induced and um, Ellie got into a bit of distress so I didn't actually push her out fully myself. She was a little vacuum delivery. Um, I ended up having to have an episiotomy that again wasn't in the plan. Then I had a postpartum hemorrhage. Then I got a, an infection afterwards. Yeah, so like the moment that you're kind of in a delivery room and they say, oh, we need a bit of help here. Little alarm bell went off in the back of my head and like, oh, you don't usually like to hear that as a midwife. Yeah. And then when you see peds coming in for, you know, Ellie when she was coming out, I was like, oh, okay. So in my head, I was thinking, okay, if we're heading for a section or what are we doing? But they're like, no, no, you just need to have a little bit of help. So um, I kind of knew, like, even though there was loads of people coming in the room and you see like your senior midwives coming in and like another midwife coming in and then you see like, you know, um, the registrar coming in, you're like, okay, yeah. I do need a bit of help, but it was fine. It was still really calm. Ellie came out a bit stunned, but even at that, I was like, I could see Ben looking over at me like deer in headlights. And I knew that they were working with Ellie and I could, I could hear them asking for another doctor to come in. It sounds a lot worse than probably what it was, but I could see the monitors, what I was looking at with her. And in my head, I was like, just mind Ellie. And then in the meantime, all I could hear was, we need Sint. Can someone draw me up this? Okay, I need this. So I was like, oh, I must be bleeding. And then I looked down and I'm like, oh, I am bleeding. Okay, that's okay. That's that's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. Um, but I kind of knew there was two things going on at the same time that definitely wasn't in the plan. So, um, but yeah, it was still, it was fine. Like I'm not traumatized or anything by it. Yeah. Um, it was fine. So being a midwife, you obviously listening and hearing a lot more than the average person yeah. would even pick up. Yeah. On. That must have been, you said pretty, sounded like you say pretty calm in that scenario. Yeah. Like I kind of knew I could see them coming in with like the trolley and I could see a forceps and everything and I could see what they were going to do. And I remember the only moment I freaked out, I was like, do not come near me with a forceps. Like if we're heading down that road, just section me now. Because just from my own experience, I haven't seen many nice deliveries of that mode. And I was like, just do not come near me with that. That's the only time I kind of lost a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I knew Ben knew that from the get go. I was saying to him like throughout the pregnancy, I was like, the one delivery I do not want is a forceps. That's just my own, my own yeah. thinking. Um, but in his head, like when that, when the, the trolley was coming in with, you know, the bits and the bobs and they were moving things over to, you know, um, put me up in the stirrups and that. I could see Ben's face just kind of going a whiter shade of pale and uh in his head afterwards he was saying to me he's like I just saw them coming in with all that stuff and I was like there's swords there's knives there's <laughs> he just saw loads of metal but in his head he was thinking what the hell are they gonna do here but um yeah it's it's funny to see it from his point of view just right beside me what was going through his head yeah. compared to what was going through mine I was still very calm very calm mm. and so 
we all getting ready for labor like that we've our expectation versus reality mm-hmm. and packing your bags obviously a big part of it yeah. because we, we generally what is it kind of week 35 36 mm. you kind of start planning it and it's kind of one of those things where it makes it real yeah up until then you know you have scans and you kind of go yeah there's a baby in there and you feel them and they're kicking yeah but when you have to start like washing those little baby grows and you know packing a little bit that's yeah. when I definitely felt like this is this is getting real I kind of delayed my own one as probably as long as I could um yeah. and then totally was overjoyed when I started doing it so you're a, an expectant mum but a midwife so you yeah. know what to pack yeah so what was in your bag I was very minimal like I see <laughs> I see so many couples come in and they literally have like everything and they have like way too much and it's just I kind of just always have it in my head, like once the baby's fed, clothes and changed, like the immediate need and loved and has warmth, like that's immediate needs. So I knew I wanted to breastfeed. So that kind of cut out one of them. I was like, sure, I just need my boobs. So I don't need to bring much else in. Um, yeah, it's very basic, like muslin cloths, nappies, baby grows, vest, hat, then billions of pads for myself, Bridget Jones knickers, you know, a few changes of PJs, everything was just very like I didn't come in with any like I didn't have anything extra um I'm trying to think now what I see with people coming in like I've seen a few women come in with like like their cocoon of babies and everything like you know you're like you do not need that like not to plug a name brand there but um you see people coming in with everything like they're only short of bringing in their kitchen sink um but like Everything you need is in the hospital. Yeah. And if you forget something, like there's only a pennies down the road or you can yeah. only send off someone somewhere. So I literally had like my labor bag, which was very minimal. I'd had, I don't think I had much extra in it. I kind of, I think I had a little spritz bottle of water just to cool myself down and, you know, uh, sucky sweets, water bottle, bobbins, like all those kind of Bits practical people, things, yeah. you know, your Vaseline for your lips, which yeah. you use an Entinox gas, your mouth goes so dry. Um. yeah like there's nothing really that would stand out as being like oh that's definitely an extra thing that you should think of yeah um, yeah there's nothing and so you breastfed Ellie up until nearly 15 months 15 months yeah. um, which is an amazing journey to to be able to complete how was that those first few days so I am blessed I like I, I always kind of say it with a kind of a I know I'm so lucky but I was really lucky Ellie just latched straight away I was so and that's not taken away it's difficult it is really difficult and that's even without any issues but she just latched straight away um like once she was handed back to me um after the delivery I just kind of knew what to do I was like okay skin to skin down the top and she just found her way and started feeding like straight away and I was just so blessed. She never had any issues. She was quite mucusy. Um, obviously she came out quite quick in the end. So once that cleared, my, my I remember my main worry initially was that how much mucus she was bringing up because obviously that was mixed with my milk. And I was like, oh my god, she's just throwing up everything. But yeah. even with that, she never lost any weight. It was just so mixed. Um, whatever gunk she was shifting from. <laughs> The delivery but I remember that was the only issue was that she was very mucusy so I kind of felt as though every feed she was bringing up yeah in copious amounts but um no she was just a great little feeder like no problems yes really sore <laughs> initially 
never had any cracked nipples or anything like that but definitely tender and you know the initial latch for your toe curling and counting down to 10 trying okay but I kind of knew I was like look they just obviously my boobs had never done that before mm-hmm. so they needed to build up some sort of tolerance but um no I was really really lucky and I was kind of devastated when she started Ellie just self-weaned herself um she was kind of dropping off her feeds towards the end and I remember there was just one day that I was offering it and she was kind of getting frustrated and yeah. I was like okay I think we're done I was like oh okay and even now I kind of look at her and like oh sometimes when she's upset or something I'm like oh it's just not so easy now to just be like just have a feed there and yeah, calm her down yeah and it, that there are moments like that oh, when yeah. you kind of finish and you it's almost like something will happen and they'll get you know a little bug or something you go god I wish I could just yeah. give you some boob right now and yeah. you'll be on your little merry way yeah um and that can kind of bring it home to you that that journey is finished and that kind of closeness yeah um but I suppose the closeness that you've nurtured kind of follows you through after that anyway oh hugely like oh my god my my favorite moments of Ellie are when we've been feeding and um it definitely is a bond that you can't describe and like that's never to take away from mothers that choose to bottle feed absolutely every mother still has their own closeness with their child but just those moments that you know I could you know run upstairs and be like I just need to feed and you could have such busyness downstairs and just be the two years on the bed lying down relaxed and she'd just be gazing at you and you'd be gazing at her and I don't know I just think I used to like just take in every inch of her when, when she was feeding because like she's she couldn't get any closer and you just get that moment to just just stare at her and be so present I found breastfeeding certainly helped me to be present in the moment and enjoy her for the size that she was when she was um, yeah kind of felt it was always relaxed and yeah I could just kind of take her in and there's still memories that are so vivid they only feel like they were last week I'm like oh yeah I remember just lying up in the bed and just you know she was only after a bath and she's real like relaxed and yeah they're just lovely lovely memories and I think it obviously for a man in a relationship sometimes with Ben I was like oh god am I hogging her or whatever but he no he always was so positive about it and um like for instance when Ellie would be sad or if anything was going on that was a bit stressful or something he'd be like either you need to feed her or she needs to feed from you it kind of worked it was a two-way thing he knew it would relax me and Ellie obviously just adored it too but he was always my biggest support with breastfeeding which was lovely yeah and you do need that support don't you because it it can be times that you're tired or you know you're just exhausted from just general life and having either like a mum or your partner or a friend who has your back and supports you going you know keep going or I'll make you dinner I'll bring you in a cup of tea yeah it's so so important so important and I think you know obviously I was the first out of all my friends to have a baby some of my friends had never seen a woman breastfeed before obviously I'm so exposed to it so like even when it came around to Ellie having the initial feed Ben was kind of a bit like oh okay you just whip it out and just (laughs) okay you just start feeding whereas I'm just so used to seeing it yeah I kind of didn't make any bones about it and even um like in his family like I know he was formula fed my man breastfed me so I kind of felt a little bit like when you know we'd be around in his parents house I'd be like oh god like do I do I feed and Ben would kind of be like no just feed it's fine like it's fine whereas without him I think I would have hesitated a little bit more so yeah he was always kind of the person in the background to be like it's fine like relax no one's looking and um kind of definitely gave me a confidence even when we were out and about 
he'd be very much like if anyone says anything to you like <laughs> like it's just not gonna happen you know yeah. he was always very pro breastfeeding and always my little like cheerleader in the background and then my friends as well like um as I said like I was the first out of all my friends to to have a baby and breastfeed but like they're all like oh no I'll definitely give it a go now I wouldn't have thought about you know feeding a baby like that or um and I just think the more the more it's exposed you know yeah it's just, it'll be more commonplace but it, it's lovely to see friends that probably wouldn't have considered it before um seeing myself and Ellie now are very much like oh I can't wait like it looks so lovely or if you're yeah. out and about with your friends and you have to go to a feeding room they're like it's just lovely it's just so nice to look at you know so um and obviously like my family were like my mom was obviously very supportive and my sister has yet to have a child too but she's probably a little bit on the fence of what way she would like to feed a baby but certainly now she's like no I'd definitely give it a go like you know it, it suppose it's just the more you see it the more you 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 relax about the idea yeah absolutely yeah. And you were young, but you were a midwife. So the people give you room to be your own mum and find your own style of being a mum. Did you or did they did you still get all those comments? And um, no, I kind of never felt overwhelmed with anyone's two cents they were giving me. Um, and I think it's something that you need to remind yourself it's actually kind of funny uh, last summer I had put a little question thing up on Instagram of what's like been your pearls of wisdom as a mother what what lines were you told that have kind of carried you through and it's for something that I'm working on um which I'll tell you about at the end but uh I have included kind of my favorite lines and one of them was um opinions are a bit like assholes everyone has one but you know what you choose to do is you know yeah. up to you um but yeah I kind of found no one kind of overly steered me or tried to give me advice and if I did get advice that I didn't really agree with or whatever like that's fine that's yeah you can you can take some of it and if if you don't want to just nod and say thanks but I kind of found no like obviously I think the people that you would take most value of their opinions would be like my own mother and Ben's mother because obviously it's their grandchild um and you know Ben's family that he's the eldest so his aunts that are quite close in age to us and they were great with you know kind of little pearls of wisdom and again there's some things that you can you know choose to take or not but I think it's that's down to the person that you're you're talking to yeah absolutely and I was very kind of level-headed and like yeah thanks Neil I'll just smile and nod I'll smile and nod yeah <laughs> thanks um do you always trust your maternal in- instinct um I do yeah. I know her so like of course there's nights that there's something wrong with her or she's not settling and I'm thinking to myself there's is there something there but again sometimes someone would be with Ellie or reminding her or they come back and say there's something not right with her and I'd be looking at her she's grand like yeah, yeah. she's just giving out or yeah she's, she's having she's a moment she's just a bit out of sorts no I do I do trust my maternal instinct yeah and your own mum is a great support to you um, and everyone needs that person that can send you a text and says this yeah. too shall pass. Yes. You rely on your mum a lot. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, she is like, we're so close and we've always been very, very close, but obviously more so since becoming a mother myself, I bounce off her so much more. And my mum is great. Like she will keep a distance until I go to her, but she'll know like she will know weeks in advance there's something up for her and when I, the time I go to her she's like oh I knew that was going on 
But she's like, you've always been like that, Jess. I can't come to you. You have to come to me. Yeah. And once I go to her, it's open arms. What can I do? What do you need? Um, and I think that's, it's that unspoken kind of thing with her. Like, or she'd know by my behavior if things aren't right. But um, no, she's amazing. Like she's, yeah, she's like one of my best friends. And it was, it works for you because she respects your boundaries. And yeah. when you're ready to talk, then it's, she's there with open arms yeah which is what you kind of need isn't it you need sometimes time to kind of work something out and then when you have it in your head then you're kind of open to um talking it out yeah definitely so as a teenager you had an eating disorder and you suffered from depression yes um but you overcame both Mm -hmm. and then post natal with ellie you was about four or five months in that you kind of went actually i think i have postnatal depression yes how did it how did it manifest itself with you so to backtrack like obviously the lead up to ellie's birth was so busy and there was so much going on and then i just couldn't i kind of just kept counting my blessings because i was like oh my god i have to get in the house oh god like we're so lucky and then we moved into the house and that was amazing and I did this beautiful baby who was so well and everything was magic and I was thinking life just cannot get any better like this is amazing like and it was so nice to see that happen for me because obviously my teens were definitely not the happiest times in my life and I spent so much of my t- my teens thinking will I ever get to a point in my life where I feel completely content and satisfied and there I was in it and for that four months I was thinking this is just incredible. Like, this is such happiness. This is amazing. But in the back of my head, I was thinking, what goes up must come down. And I knew that. And I kind of knew that there was always a cloud of worry in the back of my head because obviously suffering with depression is something you're prone to. And I don't think you're ever fully okay. Yeah. You know, it's always there. And I kind of knew, okay, like things are starting to settle now. You know, like the initial time that we had Elliot was Christmas time and people were off and then Ben had his paternity leave and there just seemed to be a lot of time off with family and friends and such a huge support and I think it was more yeah by the time Ellie was about four months obviously people aren't knocking as often and people are busy and that's absolutely fine but I kind of found the days were getting longer at home and I've always been very much like no matter kind of what I suppose work is um contributed to it too but no matter how little sleep I got or whatever I'd always have this attitude to like just get on with it it's fine it's fine but then it started to find in the mornings I'd be lying in the bed and Ellie would either be in beside me or whatever and I'd be thinking to myself oh I have to get up now like and it's not just I don't want to get up it's I actually cannot get out of this bed like there's something not right here and trying to peel yourself out of the bed peel yourself to go and have a shower coming down just feel empty like this emptiness and not just like oh it's another long day it's it's oh god I have another day here now that I have to fill and this baby is looking like obviously Ellie hadn't a clue what was going on she was still tiny but I'm looking at her thinking like I must be the worst mother here that like I'm not you know seizing the day and so happy that I have this day to spend with her was oh shit I have to spend today trying to get through it and you know I'd be there'd be times that I'd just be like standing in the hall and Ben was coming in from work and I'd literally just be standing there with her like with tears streaming down my face being like I don't know what's wrong with me and he'd be like something happened is what's going on are you tired what can I do and it would just be this unexplained sadness that 
my rational head was saying like just cop on like you're in your lovely new house with your beautiful healthy baby you're well you've family around you cop on cop on but I just couldn't I didn't and that sounds like someone going through depression like cop on you can't you can't shake yourself it's just this emptiness and this sadness um and then I suppose the things that you would usually do to try and lift your mood you can't even bring yourself to do that so um like for me it's getting out going for a walk going to the gym talking to a friend trying to be social like you close yourself off completely and you literally just hide and let it wallow and that's when I knew things weren't right and yeah I can't I can't remember what had triggered it um but I think I had yeah about four months that's when I could definitely start to feel it and then it wasn't until Ellie was just over six months and I was back in work that things got really really bad and um yeah things kind of got frightening then what was going through my own head um I was back working in a ward a gynae ward um and obviously with that ward it's a lot of miscarriage you're dealing with stillbirth you're dealing with bereavement on a daily basis and although I was part-time I had too much going on in my head outside of work to go in and deal with that and I just kind of felt like um it wasn't healthy for me to be working in that environment because I couldn't leave it at work I was coming home then letting that consume me and then I was just having the most mental crazy thoughts in my head um and getting to a point that I just couldn't cope in work either so I was going in to look at look after these families that are obviously going through the worst time of their life but I was a mess and obviously that's not that's not professional that's not good and it was getting to the point that I was going into the sluice room and work and literally like not breathing I was crying so much and trying to just get through the day and that's when I kind of knew like this isn't good so um yeah I ended up going back to the GP and I remember she handed me it's called the Edinburgh postnatal depression scale we hand them out before postnatal women go home and I remember her just handing it to me and I was thinking if I have to answer these honestly like she won't let me leave here um but I did answer them honestly and I remember when she was talking up the scores and I could see what she wrote down and I just thought to myself shit like maybe I don't have it all together in my head and I ended up getting the help I needed I was on medication and there was a lot of um you know good days and bad days you kind of feel as though you're going back and forth and back and forth but it wasn't until I actually just had the courage to go and get the help I really felt like I was back down that dark hole in my teens um, which was very very scary to be and this was for anyone that is thinking they may have postnatal depression or is fearing it. It really is kind of reaching out to your GP is probably yeah. the, the first step if it is a worry for anyone. And they will take you in and they'll, you know, they'll put you on that road and yeah. help you figure it out. So you went to your GP, they helped you out. And now in this kind of recovery part of it or dealing with it, what do you do on a kind of daily, weekly basis to keep you, keep your positive mindset? Um, because you, you know, for anyone that follows Jess online, um, you can, you can definitely see there's aspects like you use vision boards and stuff. Yeah. There's these lovely tools that you use in your daily life that obviously keeps you motivated and yeah. keeps your mind in a really positive aspect. 
Yeah. Um, I certainly find routine helps me. Like if I don't have a routine or like I don't kind of stick to the same things every day, things get hectic in my head. So like... I often show in my stories I get up at stupid o'clock in the morning to get to the gym because I know myself with Ben's working schedule there's some evenings that he doesn't know he hasn't got a finish time so I can't plan in the evenings what way it's going to go to get up and go to the gym so I set the alarm for a quarter past five and I go to a class at a quarter to six um, and that hour in the gym sets me up in the mornings Um, I don't enjoy getting up at that hour but by the time I'm there and I'm finished I'm like god I feel amazing that clears my head and that sets me up and it gives me time before even anyone else in the house is awake or needs me because obviously as a mother I think we can all relate to this being needed and yeah. your need to not feel needed sometimes you know to just be you um so I kind of find that's always even before I had Ellie I used to always do it at the gym early in the morning that gives me that um that semblance of that time where that I'm still me my hour in the morning that I have to myself that certainly helps um getting up and having a shower and putting your makeup on no matter how bad my mood is once I do that it's an instant mood booster I always need to have a shower and put a full face of makeup on do my hair put some clothes on that's not you know gym leggings and a gym top put your jeans on put something nice on and getting outdoors for a walk they're definitely the three things on a daily basis that I have to do to keep my head clear Um, even if it's just down to the shop five ten minutes down the road I think just getting outdoors and feeling okay I've passed the door because I know when I was really depressed with the postnatal depression getting past the front door is the hardest thing um, and again it could be for the most simplest thing but like getting yourself past is just impossible some days so I think if I can if I do it on a daily basis it's just routine there's no question about it you have to get out um, and yeah force like making plans making plans with people um, to be social, meet a friend for a coffee, get a friend around, um, and just communicating. I think, I think depression's best friend is um, isolating yourself. So I think that that's something you have to force yourself. Or like if your friends want to do something in the back of your head, you're thinking, oh, I'm wrecked. I really don't want to. They're the days that you need to agree the most. Like they're the yeah. days that you really have to do it. And I think as well, it's important that if you're a new mum and like you, like you, you didn't have that group of mummy friends because you're, you're a little bit younger than the rest yeah. of your friends, like of what they, was going on in their lives. It's kind of getting out and going to mummy groups and finding them in yeah. your area yeah. and creating a little support group yeah. for yourself and meeting them for teas and coffees. Hugely. It's so important. So important. And I kind of remember I felt a bit odd going through my first kind of baby things with Ellie like there was a local gr- a group up in um Driocht. it's a art center and I remember there was like a sensory class with Ellie but I remember sitting in the circle and all these women just seemed like a lot older than me but like so together and I remember just feeling like I look so out of place here and I, in my head like even though okay by the time I had her I was tw- okay, maybe even at that stage I could have just gone 25 I'm not sure 24 maybe 24 25 which on paper isn't that young but in my head I was like I'm sitting here like a 15 year old like my my child like it's just real out of body kind of experience and I'm like what the hell am I doing in a mammy group like I like this is so weird and I remember texting some of my friends they're like what did you get up to today and I was like oh I went to a mammy baby group and they're just like look at you but still in your head you're like oh god that's the something I don't really want to, like not that you don't want to do it because it's enjoyable to do with your daughter or whatever but 
I don't know, I still kind of always felt a little bit out of place, but it was the best thing for me to do because it got me out of the house and it got me to talk to other mothers. And although maybe on a personal level with, you know, with the women that were in the group, as a mother to mother, you could relate to everyone in the group yeah. at some point. So there was always conversation. There was always, you know, there was always coffee after it. After, and sometimes I'd be saying to myself, oh, well, I just head home. But I always stuck around for the coffee, always stayed around for the chats and you always felt better after it. Yeah. So it's forcing yourself to do that. And to see what's on, like a local group, what's going on, you know. Um, and I think if I was to have another child, that would be something I'd push myself to do more again. Because I kind of felt by the time I started doing it, it was a little bit too late for my head. What I'd already yeah. let inspire. It, yeah. yeah, it had kind of got a hold of you already. Yeah. Um, and as we talked about there, you know, you use the gym and exercise and getting out is definitely a tool for you to clear oh, your yeah. head. Your house is amazingly clean, Jess. <laughs> For anyone about a two-year-old, Jess would like to come Excuse down me. and um, share her um, <laughs> tips on how to keep a, ha- a house clean with a baby. We would be most welcome. Do you use cleaning as part of keeping your head clean? Yes, definitely. My house is a reflection on my head. Um, if my house is messy or cluttered, I can guarantee you my head feels a bit cluttered. So I'm very much... If the house is clean, at least that's something that I feel as though I have a hold of organisation on it. So I could have chaos around me, but at least I know if the house is clean, I don't know, it just brings an element of calm to me. I can't sit of an evening if Ellie's gone to to bed in a a room with toys everywhere and clutter, like that'd be my worst nightmare. I have to have everything cleared away, tidied away, and that's when I can switch off and just kind of find a calmness within me. And sometimes, as we were talking before we started, um, sometimes, it, like, I don't wake up in the morning and think, God, I can't wait to start cleaning today. It's just a thing I have to do. And I also find if my head is, like, absolutely in a mess, sometimes an hour organizing something kind of unravels what's going on in my head. And then after that hour or whatever, I can make sense of what's actually bothering me. Because sometimes you can't even verbalize what the hell is going on with you. But I think just having something that's, like, task-orientated and if you go into a mess and as the time goes on things get nice and organized you're thinking to yourself okay I can do this I can, if I can organize what's physically in front of me I can organize the thoughts in my head and I kind of find they go they go hand in hand um so yeah definitely definitely helps yeah I definitely can relate to that it's kind of when my Ben we both have Ben's my Ben would ask me are you okay and I'm like yeah I'm fine and I'll, I'll pot <coughs> without me. even realizing it I'll potter away and I'll end up you know put on a wash and folding it and putting it away and potter up in Alice's room and do a bit of a tidy yeah. and then come down and then, then I'll be like actually and it's that kind of a small little tidy up or just whether it's the organization of it for your mind or taking yourself out of whatever you that task you're yeah. doing is and you go away to a different room or space in the house it kind of just opens you up within your own mind to kind of figure out what's going on and you can come down and go, actually, this is what's going on in my mind. Yeah, it kind of just centers you a bit, I think. Yeah. As silly as that can sound. (laughs) But um, yeah. But it works. It does. It really does. Yeah. Like there's definitely a relaxation thing with it. Yeah. Um, as mad as it sounds <laughs> I know but it look it's a great um tool that not only are we clearing our minds but we've a lovely clean house to show exactly. for it as well so you're a midwife a mum you're going to the gym how do you manage it all in your weeks you like routine but presuming being a midwife your schedule changes yeah. and the days can run into each other when it's kind of that 
working in shifts yeah for a person that likes organization my job doesn't help um and as you say like sometimes my shifts can run into each other or I can do like a run of like let's say like three four nights have a bit of time off in the middle and then go into another run of days together or you can do the end of the week into a start of a week and I'm part-time so I'm very very lucky in that regard but um because the days are so long by the time you get up and the time you go home like there's no room on either end of the day to do anything Mm -hmm. so that can cause a lot of kind of chaos um and it can be hard to fit in the things that you know keep your head sane so like if I do days now on a normal work week I only do two days um so I just make sure on the other days off um, I always have to make sure that I allocate a morning that I don't have anything, that I'm not getting up for the gym and I am just going to have a lie on, if Ellie allows. And then the other mornings, I always, you know, schedule the gym in my head. Okay, you're getting up early and, you know, sometimes it's fine. Ellie can lie on a little bit longer. I can come home, have a shower and jump back into bed for another 20 minutes, which is lovely. Um, but it's just playing around with the other days and being smart with them and making sure that you're making enough time for everything that keeps your head clear and then giving time to family life as well and I kind of feel um if Ben is busy and I'm busy then that balance is gone and that's when things get really really messy so communication is really important knowing his schedule in advance and that he knows where I stand too and that everything goes up in the calendar and we have to try and cross over which that balance has not been in balance for kind of before Christmas into the start of the year. So that's when you kind of need to step back and think, okay, what needs to give here or um, what else can we do differently? And I think that that's really, really important. But certainly the days that I have off, they're planned, but it's like a uniform plan. So although my shifts changed around it, the days off are fairly the same. Yeah. yeah so you keep you keep that structure on your time off yeah. and that keeps everything kind of balanced what has if anything surprised you about motherhood um that I can do it like when I was pregnant I remember thinking to myself like how the hell am I gonna do all of that like to me obviously the only mother I, was, I would ever look at was my mom my my own mom and I'm thinking like I'd always have looked at my mom and thought like she's amazing like she works full-time and she's still Molly coddles us all and still has an ear for everyone and still runs a house and still is a great cook and still can do it all and in my head I was thinking I'm not going to be able to do any of that and I'm doing it <laughs> so like Ellie's my biggest motivation obviously she's my daughter but I am so surprised that I can actually do this I can be a working mom and I can run a house I've kept her alive um and like I only have to look at Ellie sometimes the way she looks at me and I think to myself yeah I'm doing it like I'm her mom and I must be doing a good job because I know that she loves me like yeah that's yeah that's the the, the biggest surprise and that's kind of what we want isn't it really it's yeah. that that you get in that look and you go you know you love me I love you yeah. and we're doing our best here yeah and whatever our best is for us it's working and we're happy and we're healthy What's in store for you, Ellie and Ben now in the next year or so? Oh God, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so we're engaged um, and the plan probably when we do get engaged was hopefully wedding next year. Um, whether or not that will happen that soon, I don't know. We have a hectic year this year. My sister's getting married. We have very good friends getting married. 
big birthdays on my parents and that so this year's just a bit nuts I would hope by next year either a wedding is happening or booked or you know well on the way and um I'd love to do a family holiday and then between next year and the year after I'd be definitely thinking a sibling for Ellie that is that that'd be my dream you know so we're back on a timeline again back on the timeline yeah but sure look what happened with the last timeline I, had, I planned out so you don't know I kind of and just it, take take it take yeah. it as it comes and I think being mums we realize we can have the greatest intentions but it's a daily, weekly, monthly basis of having a time we love. I'm going to do that then and this will happen then. Yeah. But things just go away. And oh. that's, you You kind of have to learn, don't you, to let yeah. it go and just go with the flow. Yeah. As much as we like and enjoy and need structure. Yeah. A part of that structure is knowing when to let that structure go. Yeah. And when you need, you know, to let it go when it needs to go. Yeah. Um, hugely. You're working on a project at the moment. Yes. So <laughs> Which is tell ready. me all about it. <laughs> and I can talk about it because by the time this airs, it'll be out. So it doesn't matter. So yes, I have collaborated with um, Pip and Ruby, which I'm sure many people have heard of. They do the most beautiful stationary pieces to Irish mammies. Um, and to backtrack, when I had Ellie, I obviously, I've spoken about the postnatal depression and um, I always found writing since I was you know, young, I always kept a diary. So I always found like on the days that I really, really struggled, if I even couldn't, you know, speak with Ben or I couldn't kind of verbalize or articulate what was really going on, I always found writing was really, really important. So especially during those times, I found I was constantly writing in my diary. Um, But on the flip side, I had like a memory book for Ellie that because I was so consumed with trying to sort out what was going on in my head, I was kind of finding by the time I went back to her baby book, like her memory book, I was thinking, damn, I have no idea when she started doing that or when did she start to crawl or what was the date that she said that word or when did she point to that and know what it was? So in my head from that time, I was thinking I'd love to have a little um, journal that combined a diary and also like a baby book. So um, it wasn't until last summer that I literally bought a blank notebook and thought to myself, no, this is something that still I feel as though I want to do. So I hand wrote like a child, page by page, what way I'd like it laid out and what I'd like in it. So it's not a pregnancy journal. It's kind of an end of pregnancy into motherhood journal. So it kind of starts with your last couple of weeks of uh, being pregnant, getting your baby bag sorted, getting a birth plan in place, deciding what pain relief you want. And then it goes forward straight into it's something that I think it's so um, in my head. It's something that I want women to be able to bring into the hospital and, and use in the hospital. So there's feeding charts in it. There is a place in it all about the birth. So you can initially write straight away in the hospital what happened, who was there, you know, the names of the midwives that we were, were looking after you. Memories that you kind of think, you know, oh yeah, I'll definitely remember that. By the time you go out to actually physically write them in the book, you'll forget yeah. them. So um, it's a very practical, functional journal. There's weight trackers in it. Um then it goes into like a 12 month undated. So it doesn't matter what year you buy it in or when you start it. Um, it's an undated 12 month planner, which is a functional diary too, to organize your life because as you, you know yourself and you're sleep deprived, you don't remember anything. So um, it's, a, it's a diary to keep on track of appointments and whatnot. And then there's a whole section in it all about looking after yourself and, um, you know, uh, that you can write about things in your, that's going on in your head that you can't bring yourself to vent out loud to someone else. Um, there's mo- 
uh, part in it that you can write about like your proud mama moments I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for the things that go right so it forces you yeah. to actually write about the good days and things that you, you did well and you feel it so god I nailed that today um, and then there's parts in it about planning your own personal goals because I think it's really important you're not just a mom you know it's still really important to remember the girl that you were before you had a baby and yep. never to give up on dreams and ambitions that you had before you became a mom um, there's parts in it, uh, a section in it about going back to work budgeting because that's what I found I spent you know the last couple of weeks before I went back to work thinking can I go part time what way will it work how much is childcare what minder have I have I gotten in, co- in contact with there or you know there's parts that you can write in where, where, what uh, crashes you viewed or what childcare options are a possibility and then there's a section in all about like weaning and um, when you start to wean like the hits and misses of food that baby liked recipes that you like um, and then Pip and Pear very kindly included some recipes as well at the back that we um, have. Um, I think they gave eight recipes at the back as well. So it's really a, a first year Bible kind of thing. And the thoughts as well that I think um, that make it so nice. It's obviously a keepsake, but it'd be lovely down the line when the baby that it's for becomes a man themselves and you can hand on, pass it on to your child and say well that's my first year of motherhood there in a book off you go and you can relate to whatever your mother wrote um so I think it's just something that just is a keepsake we spoke before this about you know the reliance on apps and your phone but I think it's always so nice to have something pen to paper that you can write about all the, the firsts um so yeah what it is Jess I'm so happy for you it sounds (laughs) (laughs) really beautiful and I think it captures the essence of you as well it's it's just a beautiful mum creating something amazing for other mums and if anyone is um isn't following Jess um I just think her Instagram is a true reflection of what being a mum is there is aspects of her sharing the not so great days the amazing days and everything that's in between and it's a lovely, lovely um, Instagram to follow. And she's inspires me every day um, with her honesty. So we're almost at the end of our podcast. And I have three questions to ask you. Okay. What would you tell your pregnant self? Relax. <laughs> Relax. I just, when I was pregnant, I made sure I took so many pictures of my bump. And I knew I wanted to track my pregnancy. So that's how the whole Instagram came about was that I initially started just to track my pregnancy. I hadn't ever revealed my identity it was literally just a feed of just bump pictures and bump updates so I knew I wanted to embrace the pregnancy but I didn't fully relax into the pregnancy because my main thing going on in my head was I need to have a house for this baby I'm not having a baby and not having something in place and I think I was just so consumed with the worry of will we have this all sorted before she's here or what will happen if everything falls through and we like that was just a stupid thing that I let consume me more so than relaxing and enjoying my pregnancy and embracing my pregnancy um so definitely I would say relax and know that everything will be okay like obviously I didn't have crystal ball but I just kept myself awake with the most daft ideas about things that never of course happened but yeah that I did let consume you a bit so I would definitely say relax relax into it and one product that you couldn't live without um well bar my boobs because <laughs> they were uh <laughs> vital in in uh the first year or so um product that I couldn't live without again feeding related was the Haka um I don't know if you've heard about mm-hmm. it yeah it's a little kind of 
suction cup thing that you use on um so you feed baby on one side and you pop that on the other side and it just saved so much hassle what happened to pump um so obviously when I went back to work I was having to make sure that I had milk there for Eddie and up to that point I had an electrical breast pump um and someone said to me have you not used the hacker thing and I was like oh yeah what is it they explained to me what it was and it's just the best thing ever it kills two birds the one stone you feed your baby on one side on the other side you're not even putting any effort in it's just collecting the milk and it's great so yeah definitely that and what has been your magic moment I thought about this and I it's probably a really boring kind of answer but I don't have one one moment I can put my finger on that was a magical moment I find magic moments in the most normal thing like I've spoken earlier on about feeding Ellie like there's the best memories that I have like even in the garden feeding her when she was tiny or you know being up in the bed with her um feeding lying down relaxed when she's half asleep and I'm half asleep and like even now when she's she's two and a bit like I find magic in the moments that in the morning like we have this thing in the morning where we come down and make breakfast and I just blare music and we just dance in the kitchen and she asked me to lift her up and we spin around the kitchen and she's in stitches and I'm in stitches like that's my they're my magic moments and they're so simple but or if I just catch her laughing or you know staring at me with a smile like they're they're my magic moments they're so simple it's such a cheesy answer but but it's true yeah it's the ma- finding the magic in every day. Yeah, like that is my moments that I'm just kind of like, I'm so lucky. Like, how lucky am I? Like, they are my magic moments. Jess, I've loved talking to you. You're an absolute gem. Thank you um, so much. You're more beautiful and lovely in real life <laughs> than you are online. Thank you for coming in. Thank and you I've so loved much it. for having me. You're Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mumkind. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you would like to send me a message, please email forallmumkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at For All Mumkind. And see you on the next episode of the podcast. Thank you.